It's time to get inspired. It's time to have some fun. It's time to take your relationship to the next level and create the marriage you always believed was possible. Come on, join us as we learn from real couples that have overcome real problems with real solutions. Welcome to the Unstoppable Duo Show with your hosts, Rebecca and Tim Lindsay. And today we have a special surprise for you. We've got the one and only Katie and Josh Walters here. Come on. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thank you all for having us. Oh, it's so good to have you. Um, We know, of course, Katie and Josh, uh, if anybody's been following us for any amount of time, they know that um, uh, Katie and Josh are our bosses, especially Josh uh, in his role here at Seacoast Church and uh, (laughs) recently transitioned. He's uh, stepped into a new role as digital, uh, what would you call it? Digital guru. Seacoast experience. So in person and online. In person and online, and we're so excited about that. We're so excited that they found the time and the energy with all of those seven children, (laughs) all of the housework, church work, friends work, neighborhood, everything going on in their lives uh, that they've carved out this time to encourage you to uh, be who you were meant to be and to follow that calling that God's put in your heart. So I'm so excited, Rebecca. How about you? I'm so excited too. It's one of those couples, if you, you really hope to walk into them when you have your date night. So that's yeah. one of the things. <laughs> going to be a date night. We're going to check out this restaurant as well. well. If, if by hope you run into them, you mean, are Josh and Katie stalking, stalking our Instagram us to go and where then we go? Us date us yes. <laughs> oh, accidentally. We didn't realize you were here. <laughs> No, it's, been, it's, it's been really awesome for those of you who don't know there is something in the states called happy hour and it's not just to do with alcohol it's like restaurants put on happy hour and they you know charge uh, they serve great food and charge not a lot of money so rebecca and i have discovered this and uh, if we had the time we'd be doing like happy hour every single day because you get the best deals and the best food and uh, recently we've been able to bump into katie and josh uh, in our happy hour, and uh, it's been such a pleasant, pleasant experience. It does. Yeah. You just don't want to go home, so that's the cool thing. I, it's and the you best. It's just you, you talk and you learn, and we just talked about that before recording. It's always life-giving as well. It's like we always turn around, go home, and said, ah, that's just so cool. It's never tiring. It's never like you're getting drained. It's actually life-giving, so we love oh, you. We that way about y'all. We love you so much, and if Josh is your boss, Rebecca is definitely mine because he's <laughs> been counseling me since about what 2010, right? Or 2012 when y'all first came to the States. Then they went over to Switzerland. I did FaceTime calls with her in Switzerland when she's planning a church. It was like Rebecca. Yeah. And so when they came back here to the States and we could be back person to person with them, it was one of the greatest surprises and gifts from God for Josh and I. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It really did invigorate us of like, oh my gosh, you know, God, look at you yeah. that Tim and Rebecca are here and we get to do life with them again. So we love y'all and we're so thankful for you. And I would just say to correct you, I guess on an org chart, there might be some level of boss, but brother, you always got to introduce me as brother first because <laughs> you are favorite guys on the planet for anybody that's listened that's right. to the podcast for uh, any amount of time you can pick up on Tim's energy and passion and excitement and joy for life. And man, and in addition to just encouraging and, and loving on me, I can always count on you to get my, get my heart right. My mind, right. If I've drifted to a place of like uh, getting through the day, you know, you bring, bring me <laughs> love, love being with you. So we're excited to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for saying that. We love you too. So excited. So we want to like, or the listeners want to know to like, how did you both meet? And like, what is your background? What is anything maybe you want to add to the introduction that we said that we haven't said that you want to tell? Um, and then maybe how did, um, what's like your love story? How did you meet? Hey, I've got one thing that wasn't mentioned so far. We are officially one week away from our 20 year anniversary. Oh, Come wow. Come on. Cool. I know we only look like we're like 24. No. But yeah. You do. It's 19. 
This one is. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were going on a 20 year trip this year. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. It's we're going into the 20th year. I mean, we could say that. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's 20 the is problem. 2022. And okay. I heard Kanye West saying once, a married <laughs> year is not the same as a normal year. And that's true. <laughs> so like a dog year. That's right. And you know how they say for celebrities, you should like triple it. I think the same should be true for pastors. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> I think you should triple it. Like we've been married 60 years. There you go. <laughs> I can't believe that's real. I know. I'm always ahead. <laughs> hey, I'm I know. I know. Ahead. He's he always so accurate with numbers. And so this is going to make him Man. crazy. <laughs> but I love it. I was in my mind. I was like, oh, do I wow. go with it? Do I let him celebrate me on 20 years? <laughs> like, no, it's only in a week. We got to go somewhere for our 20th year. Can't let him think that we're going to like, you know, dinner. <laughs> We've been <laughs> talking about all these trips. I thought for sure that was why. But Well, let us tell you how not. we met. Because we have two different versions of the story. So I'll tell you the true version. It's <laughs> <laughs> the more exciting version. Maybe more exciting. <laughs> no. Well, we, we were freshmen in college at USC. And I had recently gotten saved, like in September. And Josh moved back home to Columbia at the end of the semester because his dad got sick. So he started kind of hearing about me. And um, I was planning a mission strip. Let me tell you what I was hearing. Let me tell you what I was hearing. It's not a true story. <laughs> what I was hearing about her was she had recently accepted Christ, grown up in church, but had an encounter with the Lord her freshman year of college that like really changed her in a big way and everything yeah. about her. And so these guys would be like, hey, do you want to go out for dinner, whatever, whatever. And they'd go out to eat and she'd ask about their quiet time, prayer life church involvement and if it seemed like it wasn't happening she would straight up get up and leave dinner and so guys would be like man you gotta meet katie walters don't go out with her bro she'll break your heart and i was like oh. <laughs> those stories and i was like that's the girl i'm looking for i want to meet Come this on. girl well because you guys probably saw this too when you came to our culture i had no concept that people were like playing church you know and that they kind of hung out with christians even though they didn't love jesus yeah. And so for me, I went from being on the dance team, smoking every day, walking around barefoot to like loving Jesus. And I, I just couldn't imagine like, wait, you don't even care about God. Like, why are you, you know, what are you doing? So anyways, that's, that was that story. But I had planned this trip to South Beach, Miami, and I, everybody was going on missions trips. Well, I didn't the, really come the trip, into the game. The trip late. was actually to Key Largo. Oh yeah, that's right. It was going to be to Key Largo. And which, we thought because the Beach Boys sang about it, that it was beautiful, but turns out like it's not at all. There's like well, nothing. It's beautiful. There's no beaches. You yeah. have to have a boat basically to enjoy oh, Key Largo. Yeah. It's like docks and then water. So, yeah. you know, people who love Key Largo have the means to love Key Largo, <laughs> you know? But we so. drove to Miami on the way down there and we're like, Oh, yes, we were like Miami. We need to stay in Miami. Yeah. But so I pulled this group together and basically said, "Everybody's going on mission trips. We should just go on a mission trip mm -hmm. down to Key Largo. We can tell people about Jesus right where we are and enjoy the beach." You know. No. So they all gave me their money. I had like you know bought this hotel in Key Largo that we had to cancel. Well, we had one guy short. We had six girls and five guys. And so Josh was like, told his friend, like, "Let me come." So the night I met oh, him, no. I knew one of the girls that was going, this was a strategic self-invite, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so the night I met him, he came to give me his money for this mission strip, you oh. know, down to Keylar and his pager number so I could page him, That's you right. know, because we had no cell phones at the time. <laughs> but then we went to that trip together. And by the end of the trip, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that we were, you know, feeling each other. And so we stayed up the last night of the trip, the entire night, just talking. And so no one wanted to ride back home with us. We had two cars driving down to Miami on the way back. Nobody wanted to ride with Josh because they didn't trust him because he <laughs> hadn't slept. So it was just me and him and everybody else piled in <laughs> 10 people to this car. So just the two of us drove back home together. And by the time we got back home, Josh had professed his love, told me he was going to marry me, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, wow. what? hold it <laughs> but we yeah. were pretty much done by that point so that was when we were 18 and we got married in college shortly after that 
Yeah. How long did it take you to get married after that? Two and a half years. We got married December of our senior year, and that was spring break of our freshman year. So somewhere in all of those years is a total of 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) This we're going to celebrate it when you take me to Italy, not to (laughs) all Um, so yeah, so we got, we got married in college and the wild part about our story is that we, we always like from our first date, we said that we wanted seven kids. That's a crazy part of our story, but yeah. truly Josh said, how many kids do you want? And, I was and we like, actually said on the count of seven, three, say yeah. your number. Like, cause I didn't, it's like, I knew I wanted seven, but I knew this would also be a weird, weird deal breaker. So I was like, all right, on the count of three, say your number one, two, three. And we both said seven. seven. And I was like, oh, God, she is the wow. one. And so we were both like, what? And, you know, that story is just because both of our best friends growing up were one of seven. And so we just loved the chaos of the house, you know, and the the love that they had, the sense of family. And so um, so when we got married, we wanted to kind of give that area to the Lord. We had people telling us, you know, this is an area you need to give over to the Lord. So we found out we were pregnant. But right before we graduated from college. And I was starting my master's. And um, so that's when Josh took a job as a pastor. And before that, in college, we always thought we would live overseas and be like undercover missionaries. We'd be teachers and live overseas. So we'll be teachers in the (laughs) States during the school year. And then in the summer, take our kids abroad to host mission scenes somewhere. So get like, you know, a mix of third world and American culture and live on mission and reach kids. But then when Katie got pregnant and we're about to graduate, it was like, literally we graduated on a Saturday and started our master's on Monday and the church I was serving at youth pastor, uh, transition. They're like, Hey, how would you feel about working here? And I just never, which is odd. Now I look back at it that I'd never considered ministry when I was kind of thinking in a way we would be in ministry. It would just be as but neither one of us had considered working in a church ever you know which is just strange like it wasn't on our radar a practical decision of like hey i guess we probably do need insurance and yeah neither have any money but we're about to have a baby so maybe maybe we should do this yeah (laughs) and even when we so it was such a change from you know those early stages of dreaming about your life you're thinking about education and discipleship and students and living overseas and but we never dreamed about church world so even when we first started working in the church, it was, it was a little like disjoining of just, we were doing mm-hmm. student ministry. And I remember for the first like three to four years, we, we thought, I don't know why people are student pastors. And then they become other pastors. Like we want to be student pastors for life. Yeah. bro. Yeah. We were like, if you yeah. love students, you love students. So like we would follow all these people that were student pastors in their sixties <laughs> and seventies and yeah. you didn't have any concept of church world. And we also didn't so, have any kids really at the time. So yeah. we didn't realize there comes a point where they grabbed me like, Hey, peace out, man. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, it's just funny looking back. We love to talk about those early dreams we had, like what was true of us then still true of us now. Where have we like gone off mm-hmm. from some of that original heart and passion? And it's, I think it's so sweet in relationships to remember those days, you know, remember the stuff that you love staying up late talking about, because you can usually find threads of it in life now, but there's also times where like the river's just taking you Mm -hmm. so many different places, you know, and, and I think it's okay to, you know, to kind of look at the two of those things together. Yeah. So that was probably a long extra intro. (laughs) Hey, that's awesome. Now, I mean, your relationship started off so well and, and uh, so great. And, you know, just sharing with each other the children that you wanted to have and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, even looking back for us, when we talk about you guys or whatever, it's just, you know, I don't know if you feel that way, but for us, it feels like you've been really faithful. Um, you know, you've been faithful to that calling of seven children. I mean, there was times we've known you when you've had two children. No, they already, so had, they already had. We we met them. You just you before Ari, I think. Yeah. yeah. So we've known. Say just say twenty years. Twenty years. <laughs> there you go. We've known you for so many years, and you know I'm sure along the way there was times where you felt like I don't know if this is a word from God. I don't know if we can have another child. I don't know if we can take that step. I don't know. You know, physically, mentally, emotionally. 
Um, but it feels to me like you've uh, been so faithful, not just in the, in the, you know, seven kids that you've had as a, a parents, but also your whole calling, your whole ministry, and mm. uh, just taking that next step that God's calling you to. But it wasn't always, um, you know, this amazing ride. You've <laughs> had your challenges, especially at the beginning of your relationship. And uh, you, you've talked, you know, even in our conversations that we've had with, with each other, we've, you know, you've alluded to it. We've talked a little bit about it. But I'd love for our listeners to really hear that story of, um, you know, what happened there and, and how did you how did you overcome it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me say then I'll let you tell the story. The only um, just like starting point I'd love people to go to is like, Tim, I've seen some of your and Rebecca's wedding pictures like long hair, like knowing you now, looking back and thinking about you then, I think every couple has has those pictures of like sweet love, infatuation, crazy about a person, dreams of like taking on the world together. And just like in, in every sense of the word, I feel like our love story was the sweetest love story and, and had every, Katie's parents had separated when she was young. And so we had just talked about divorce, seen it played out among our friends, had a deep conviction that like, you know, what we said at the altar was going to be lived out for better or for worse, whatever that that looked like. And so I think our story is just one of um, there. There wasn't a day where we we woke up and decided, you know what, I've changed my mind about this thing, but really one of of subtle com- compromise over time and a reality that we have an enemy and, and we all know that. Um, mm-hmm. And whether we think we can outsmart him or mm-hmm. I'm different and it won't be me. Uh, I think our story was just one that shows that, man, he is patient and roaring around like a lion, seeing who he might devour and, and small decisions played out over time, led us to a place that, uh, that really only by the grace of God, did he do a work that ultimately I'm so thankful for, and you hear people say that it's like, but really, you know, like I wouldn't change a thing about our story, mm-hmm. but for what we've walked through, the depth of relationship we have today, the the character individually we have today, the uh, even just depth of love, like, man, until you've really gone through some crisis and you have to choose to love yeah. and feel the pain and vulnerability of, of love, I'm just so proud of of who it's made us. So just want people to know, like, I know you can go back to the altar and, and remind yourself of the sweet love you once had that you may not be feeling today. And maybe there wasn't the kind of crisis that we've had, but I think our story is one that can point to a God who can make all things new and not just take you back to an old place, but really take you to a new one. So. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. You said that word about faithfulness because early on in marriage, Josh would have said, I really want to be known as a couple that's faithful. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it made me <laughs> like, I want to be known as a couple that's like full of adventure and yeah. loves life and God. And I was like, faithful. I mean, it just would make me like on edge, you know? And, but truly looking back on our story, those strengths in the two of you, they rub up so often in the covenant of marriage. And there's so many places and paths. So our hardest point of marriage was a point of an affair, which I'll share about, but you know, we've had other, we've never had a, a deep place like that of pain again, or betrayal, but we've had other places where the strength and oh, are we back with you? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Those strengths, you know, that God's put in each other, they also serve as sometimes like the hardest thing to get back together, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm so thankful that Josh has taken us on a journey of faithfulness. Um, And, and I've had to learn to let God meet some of my wildest dreams and really trust him with that. And he has, you know, he truly has been faithful to me too in that. And so I just want to encourage anybody, if you too, you know, have gotten to these points in marriage where you're like, I just didn't see it going like this. Or I feel like, yes, we've been able to follow in the life and plans that one person had, but what about me that you can truly trust God with all of those things that are inside of you? Cause he's just the best, best father. So anyways, we, we had been serving about seven years in um, youth ministry. I was working full-time as a school counselor 
And, you know, we were doing the deal of just lots of hustle. We are probably doing the deal more so than other people because we, that's where we can go. Just lots of work, lots of hustle, lots of activity. Like context for that. We, Katie had just, we were both had gotten our master's. She's working full time. I'm working full time. We had bought and moved a couple times. So we had two or three rental properties we were managing. So young kids, full-time work, rental properties. At the time, it felt busy, but it also just felt like this is the work of life. You hustle, you work hard, you do your best, you know, and so. Yeah, and so we had two kids and we were pregnant with our third and we had been really deprived for community, um, which is another piece of our story. And so a couple came into our church that we became really close friends with really fast, hanging out with them every night, and um, also started having boundaries, you know, slurred with them for a while. We just kind of thought, is all the boundaries talk real? Can you really not ride with guys and girls? Can you really not hang out with them? You know, you're Christians. You all love each other. We started saying, gosh, me and him are so similar. They're so similar. You know, that kind of stuff. But instead of looking at the strengths of the oneness, started looking at like, gosh, how does that feel? And the enemy was just right there. I think I was probably in an emotional fair for a year before I would have really felt from the Holy Spirit, like this is wrong. But there was a point there, probably three to four months before I confessed, maybe six months before I confessed that I knew like this text is wrong. You know, this, the way we're operating together is wrong. And then um, we had our third son and it was a really low point in our marriage. He came early, Josh a little bit felt like that was on me because I was just wanting to get him out. And, um, so in that moment, that's when kind of the, the guy told me how he was feeling about me and it was solidified. That was May 29th when Abel was born that like, okay, this is definitely an affair. And I'm really started to give my heart to this guy. So I held it, held, still, still held it in secret for about three or four more months, which again, like with the Holy spirit inside of you is really, really challenging to do. And the one thing I do want to tell couples that I've, looking back, I wish someone would have been able to tell me or get through to me is that when you have anything hidden and you're not in the light, any hidden secret sin, you really cannot accurately assess the relationship at all. And so what happened for those three months while I was hiding, I also was trying to really assess this because I was like, I mean, I'm not that bad of a person, but this is bad. This is not healthy. This isn't good. He doesn't treat me right you know, he's controlling me, all those things. And so we've met with couple after couple that they've done the same thing. They've had secret sin, hidden sin. And while they're in the darkness, they're trying to then get wisdom and assess a situation that they're totally unable to do. So by the time we got to August, that's when I confessed to Josh by only an act of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had pretty much decided like this marriage wasn't, wasn't worth it. You know, I, I didn't really think I would leave looking back on it, but I definitely wanted to. And if he would have given me any reason to like, get out of here, I'm done with you. I would have taken it Mm -hmm. in a minute. We were by that much of a thread. And so it truly took Josh. I mean, he had all the feelings, anger, rage, you know, um, they, they fired him like from the church. And the next day when he went and told them and you never sensed anything. Josh, like that she's more distant, not open, or you had no, no- that, that was probably, you know, of all the like different layers of, of pain, um, the hardest one for me was, <clears throat> man, I like to think that I'm a fairly, you know, relationally intelligent guy in terms of reading people, yeah. discerning something's off or not right, even being able to piece together a storyline of what it might be and, and see things. And, and I was totally in the dark. There was a couple times where like, you know, we would be hanging out together and it seems like, seemed like their foot was too close or something that I would say something later, like, Hey, seemed like y'all's foot was close. That's weird. Don't do that. You know, like, but nothing, nothing like, like this. And so there was just the pain of like, man, how could you think, you know, and not yeah. know. And so the deception was just so hard. That hurt. And we were still fighting, having sex, having date nights. I mean, yeah. all, we the, were still... all the behaviors of a, <clears throat> a young married couple 
were there, you yeah. know? And so that's where I thought like my had an awesome dad, but like, I never really saw him and mom fight. I never really saw them be intimate. I didn't know what I didn't know, you know? So I just thought this is the struggle, the back and forth of like, you know, building family, building wealth, building ministry and life. And so, yeah. you know, looking back now, I see, I see where in our attempts to like fight for unity, fight for oneness. Uh, if you would have asked me to list out my priorities, I think I would have had a, a Bible answer for you. My God, Katie, kids, ministry, you know, but the reality was that it, it probably looked a lot more like ministry, real estate, yeah, home projects, Kate, you know, um, whatever, whatever the order was, her heart wasn't treasured, you know, yeah. as it should have been. And so. we've been able to sit with couples to know that if they've gotten themselves into that place, there really has been more distance than they think. I mean, you can imagine how close you are now, the teamwork that you do, how much you communicate to have something, a hidden life mm -hmm. would not be possible. You know, I'm in his phone every day. He's in my phone every day. We're together at any point that we're not. But like when you're not operating like that, like a team, yeah. it's really easy to start to go down some of these paths. And that's what Satan's waiting for you know? And so looking back on it, it's hard to imagine that, that we could have gotten there and that, and it's so hard to carry. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's where I have so much empathy for people that have found themselves in places of sin because, and, and if you can look at your partner with that place of empathy, that the enemy's just waiting for something, yeah. you know, and that that person has been the weak person that they've jumped on. And it's really not about the two of you. It's about God's plans for generations, you know? And so if you can have that empathy on a person, you know, where, wherever they find themselves, that if you can love them through it, and it takes two people, it takes, you know, you faithfully loving them through it and then wanting to come back to God, then repenting, then confessing, there's really nothing God can't do, yeah. you know, once you can kind of get back in the light. And that's where back now, like when I say only by the grace of God, you know, you, you look back at your story and question, like, could I do now what I did then? Or how did I do that? You know, and I just look back now at the, the measure of pain. It's wild how in a moment, man, I can sit down with a couple going through our story and find myself in tears on the way home, just because on a daily level in our relationship, like the, the sting of that is so far removed. Yeah. But the empathy piece, when I sit down with somebody, it's like, man, you can so quickly go to the, yeah. the desperation of a situation you cannot fix. You cannot change. There's no internal switch you can flip to make them love you again, to yeah. make things better. Like it really is a work only God can do. And I don't know that people on a, on a normal, you know, Monday that they see their marriage as that way. I think they see it as something I can do, something I can figure mm -hmm. out instead yeah. of seeing and only by the grace of God, would you help me love her? Well, would you help me care for her, treasure her as you do build a lifelong That's marriage? Right. It's the day-to-day -day stuff you don't really see until there's a crisis and you're confronted with, okay, this was the culmination of something, you know, days, weeks, years of subtle behaviors that have, have brought us to this place. But I do think it was just a, uh, the grace of God to, uh, give me vision and conviction around, okay, he hates divorce. This is not an option for us. Both of our best is going to come as a result of working with him and each other on getting through this. Like we will look and be more like Christ, love one another more deeply yeah. if we forgive and, and come together on this, but also just given me, as Katie was saying a minute ago, the stuff in the darkness just made it real clear that, that this is not who, she was her name. Catherine means pure at heart. And he just, he let me separate who she was from the behaviors that she had had, mm -hmm. which really helped me love her with his heart. I think a lot of folks attach in the pain, the person with the problem mm -hmm. um, when that's, that's not who God created, you know, who he numbered the hairs on their head and made in his image. So he really just gave me his eyes for her, his heart for her to be able to tell her, this isn't who you are. Yeah. Um, so those were big and, and just the, 
the reality of there were so many words in terms of the practical. How did you get through it? Like it was the daily pursuit of God where he would give me the revelation I needed for the moment, the word I needed in the moment. I remember one conversation when you brought the journals to me. She um, she had all these journals from college where she had all these like pet names for me. Schnooky, Boo Boo. Like whatever, big muscle, sexy man. That wasn't one of them, but I'm just imagining. You wish you would have had. But, yeah, but but she was like, "Do you still feel this way about me? Because I just don't feel this way about you." And that was common language. Like, of I don't know that I love you anymore. I don't know. So just hearing that kind of stuff hmm. when you're in a, a marriage, and uh, and on top of the betrayal, like, was just so painful on a day-to-day basis. It was that season that I'd have to go to bed, like listening to worship music to kind of override the fear-driven negative thoughts in my mind. I'd wake up with an earache for falling asleep on a, on an AirPod, you know, like, Oh God, it hurts so bad. But, but I remember God saying, when she asked me that, like, do you still feel this way? Like pointing back to the past. And I was like, Hey, God is not inviting us to try to fight and work to get back to an old place. He's inviting us to a new place. So it was the vision of getting through this pain together, getting through this, this crap of a season, you know, knowing that his plans for us are good. He is with us. He's going to use even this to prosper us. Like he's going to take us to a deeper place of Mm -hmm. love. That's a choice where I choose to be faithful. I choose to love. And man, there's so much blessing, which at the time, those were all words in faith. You know, we didn't feel them. God, I hoped them to be true. Like I was trusting him and seeking him like never before, but there was no evidence on any given day, you know, yeah. that, that we were getting there. So, yeah. How quickly were you willing to let go of the other guy? I mean, the confessing is the one thing, but it was still a state of emotion that you were in. So how, mm-hmm. how quickly were you able to change that? Not quickly. So the the actual behavior of being with him or being with the two of them, Josh changed pretty quickly because we lived across the street from them. And so they they had separated, I think, for a time. And when we lived in Columbia and we were in Columbia for about six more months and we were really struggling to get any kind of counseling or help. Josh had no job. I mean, because the church had fired us. And from that point on, we had a pastor named Don Brock in the city that was really pastoring Josh and helping us get counseling, but we really didn't have community. I mean, at this point we had been Mm. exiled from our church, whatever, you know, that is. But she's using language like that, but it was, it was very much the case. Whereas like I had always desired to be faithful, to get a little bit better each day, like to go in and share what my wife had done and their response be okay, well, this Wednesday at youth group will be your last day. You know, I was, Katie I was treated back in. like I had had the affair and then we were asked not to come back to the church. Wow. And so there could have just been so mm-hmm. much pain yeah. and from it, but Seacoast had always kind of been this oasis of like life and worship and moving to Charleston had always been a five-year dream. And so like looking back, it's one of those things where I don't know, had they kept me on board? Like if, if I could have made the decision to, to leave. And so I He's think it so was- so loyal. It was the worst yeah. church. And I he had stayed was, for five years. I mean, so, honestly. Yeah, I think it was, it was God's a release and, uh, and really opportunity to- Yeah, but, it, but as far as the emotional stuff, like I was in a school that also was the neighborhood school. So really connected in the community. And at this point, all the rumors are out you know, lots of people know, I'm thinking of half the kids at the school know, I mean, you know how small kind of town stuff is. And so to actually still be with him or engage in that relationship wasn't going to happen, but it was still happening for sure in my head and heart. And Josh was getting Holy Spirit hunches, like drive up to the school. And he would have left me a note on my car saying, meet me somewhere. And Josh would have known to come up there, grab the note, like Josh really became that little 007 that I swear he is anyways. <laughs> in this fighter, Which you know? is really like, wow. Silly, but that's where it was not. Um, yeah. There were some very real behaviors on both of our parts. Like trust has to be earned, you know? Yeah. And so because it had been broken, there were really practical things that I needed access to her phone. Um, I was, I was reconciling like our, 
our phone bill, the text statement with the text in our phone to see if stuff had been deleted. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm in the weeds of knowing, doing the things I felt like I needed to do to discern, can I actually trust you again? You know, are you going where you say you were going to go? And all that stuff took time, but yeah, for real, the Holy Spirit would say, go up to her school and get in her car. I would sit in the car like, God, what am I doing here? And then I would look in that ashtray and there would be a little note, meet me here. Yeah. So for about six months, we were in um, Columbia still. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job in Charleston at the jail. So we moved down here just to attend Seacoast, be discipled by Mac Lake. That is who Josh wanted to disciple him. And, um, and even when we got here at the jail, you know, we had no money. Josh would drive me to and from work, but still I was struggling with trying to like, uh keep talking all over. (laughs) Still, I was struggling to like, you know, want to call want to engage. And there were times where I did and, you know, Josh would find out or I would confess it with Mac and Cindy when we were meeting with them. So I just think it's important to know that it really was probably a full year of at least my heart still thinking this was the answer or that I still had feelings for him. At some point I really did come into the light and realize like, Oh, that's, that's self-love. Like love him. I love me. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that that shift that happened that realized oh, this is all selfishness yeah. and i'm gonna destroy him josh me you know that happened and so none of those feelings you know were there anymore but it definitely took a while because i do think an emotional attachment is oftentimes harder than yeah. a physical one you know yeah. so well so I love, it, what i love sorry katie what i love about um, I mean, this story and the way you're explaining it and the process that you've gone through is just so helpful. Um, I'm just thinking about, you know, all the listeners listening and I'm thinking about, you know, all the different stages because you've not only gone through the process, you've also reflected on the process and you can communicate about it in a really helpful way um, for us and, you know, for everybody listening in. It's so good. Um, what I love also is you you took it so serious, right? You could sweep it and an emotional affair. You could sort of sweep it under the rug. You could sort of say, oh, it's not that important. You know, we didn't have sex and we didn't go out on dates. You know, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. Um, but you took it so serious and yeah. you call it an affair, right? Um, a lot of people wouldn't call it an affair, right? They would, you know, just yeah. say, oh, there was some texting going on between, you know, for a time and, and you know, that's it. Um, so I, I really love that. Was that a part of the process? Did you feel like as you were as you're overcoming this now, you really need to name the what it was and and tackle it? Yeah, you know, for us looking back, there was never a question of like, could we make this smaller than it is? Because yeah. you know, it was it was as bad as it could be. I knew I was in my heart ready to leave. It was his and they, best they had friend. been like you know you know. Been, going places together and had been, been together. So there there was like just components of it that once her heart was gone and it was evident that like there was any other pursuit or desires within her, like it wasn't. Yeah. And that's, but that's where I do think like unique to us, we meet with a lot of couples that the night that it happens are not being driven over to their parents' house to tell them, but that's what was happening for me. You know, I was having to tell people, which was Josh's dad, who was the guy I admired the most in my life. And Josh was like, well, we've got to drive over and tell my parents now. I mean, you know, this was our story. And so it was very exposed very quickly to everyone we knew. And I don't know if that's just a unique thing to us, but I do feel like that has protected us in life because we, we, I think one of our greatest like things is authenticity and And vulnerability. And so if we are sinning or struggling or fighting, somebody's going to know about it yes. pretty, pretty quickly. Oh, and yeah. so when we do meet with a lot of couples that have tried to make anything small, you yeah. know, um, it to us, we just say, like, I promise you, the greater the pain that you're willing to go through, the greater the freedom. And even my honesty that was so hurtful to him of I don't feel this way for you. I don't love you anymore. It actually became the greatest gift to him. Because yeah. when I started saying like, like you today. Yeah. I'm not thinking about this yeah. guy anymore. Like yeah. he 
he believed me. And that was, you know, he knew, like, she's yeah. that's real. That know? was like, you think about for respect mm-hmm. or tact, like how infrequently we say real things, like yeah. hard things. And so once you've been to the bottom, like thinking the thing most precious to you may be lost and unraveled and it's possible that it's never the same, then all that matters is the truth. Like what is real and true? I need to know so we can build from there. And so it, it hurt, but I'm telling you, it was such a gift to know I don't love you because that gave me fuel for today in the sense of like, okay, well, I'm going to pretend to be asleep until you fall asleep so that I can pray over you because there's some war going on and I'm the one that's going to engage, you know, like it just Mm -hmm. gave me like, please, okay, you don't love me. You don't like me. Uh, You don't, you know, whatever it is hurt to hear, but also gave me fuel to fight of knowing this wasn't just like a a relationship thing. Like there was a, a battle going on that would impact generations that, uh, that my God could win, you know? And so the yeah. truth became a treasure in that yeah. season. Of right. Wow. That is an amazing story. I love it. It's from both. I mean, how brave from both of you, for you, Katie, to keep on confessing. I mean, you know, sometimes you, mm-hmm. think you say it once, you're good to go. Um, and for you saying it, falling back, saying it again, yeah. trying it. it. It's like this, this, this fight, the back and forth yeah. for you internally. Mm-hmm. And still with that, giving a chance to Josh, even if you didn't want to, but being, with being honest, it's like I'm laying down all my cards, even though you're going back and trying the hidden things again. And for you, Josh, being so brave of, and I'm going to fight, yeah. even though you would have had the right to say, you know, you, Katie, you better win me now. You had it with me that you confessing shows action step as well. To an outside, it almost looked you paid the double price. Not only were you betrayed emotionally, you had to do the double work in those moments of spiritually fighting until she could catch up kind of and it became a battle together again. So I think that's such a great encouragement for the people. Yes, it's it's worth it. And yes, it's a hard work, but it's Mm. worth it. Yeah. And it's a great testimony to their yeah. faithfulness. Right. Yeah. Um, it really is. It's a, another <laughs> another bit of that puzzle that uh, you've just been faithful and uh, and you've gone through a difficult time and you've um, you've opened up. And I love the you know, you're talking about the vulnerability, the openness. This is something that we've discovered in a new way, um, you know, through the unstoppable um, where people, one of the, the weeks is called Own Your Story. And mm-hmm. it's become one of the pillars in the whole process. And we didn't, we, ne- we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We didn't figure that out. We didn't realize it. We just thought it'd be important to, you know, own your story. But as we go through that, you know, that, that week in, that, in, the, in the process, people start confessing. People start, um, you know, showing up weakness. People start revealing things that they haven't re- revealed before. And I think you're so right. Um, when you get it out on the table, when you start talking about it, when you're honest, when somebody says, hey, I don't love you anymore. It's really painful. It's oh, yeah. really hard, but it's yeah. such a key to, uh, you know, the next step to healing and the success of the relationship. Are there any other things as we wrap up together? Are there any other things that you would say as you overcame that situation, as you move forward, that would help other couples who are in a similar situation? I've got one thing. You got anything? We might have the same thing, the 10 to thing. No. Oh, okay. You go first. All right. So what I was going to say is, um, man, I feel this like, to your point about owning your story, like our, our language has just been that our, our story is sacred. Like God has been authoring a story. And when we've deviated, man, when we've been unfaithful, he has been faithful. But in that season, like, man, each of the like moments, each of the words he spoke to me have really become things that you might conceptually know from scripture, but have really become anchors for me that I feel called to steward. And so one of those we had, um, right after we left the church, life was Mm -hmm. just at an all time low. I bought a car on eBay and in Scottsdale, Arizona, we bought a one-way ticket. I'm like, this would be awesome. If I can get her in the car with me for four days driving home, like surely she'll love me. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it was like, 
unemployed, buying your dream car, again, a reflection of like poor decision-making for us in that season. <laughs> but while we were driving up to the Grand Canyon, there's huge trees on both sides of us. Katie was sleeping in the passenger seat and we, we rounded a turn and the, it went from trees where all you could see was woods to the like beauty of the Canyon just opened up. And in a moment, um, God said, that's how quickly your story can change. Wow. wow. And man, I can get emotional just talking about it now because it's such a powerful revelation for me of we know that from scripture, like the number of times Jesus showed up and everything changed. Like we know that's that's possible. But when you're in a dark place, when you're feeling uh, just deep soul pain, like wondering if anything will ever get to a good place, you know, uh, I start crying because I've just had this moment with God. Katie wakes up, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know? And so just to encourage couples, like you might, have, you might feel like you've tried everything and, mm-hmm. and you are at the end, I would say, man, just hold tight. Because if you can say that you've tried everything, like if you can get to the end of yourself where he is all you have, he's got to be it. If he's all you have, then you can take it to the bank that like in a moment, and it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but you keep showing up and you keep going after him and he will be faithful to take you to a new place. So Yeah, that's so good. So much hope, so, so much hope for all of us in Jesus. And yeah, I think the only thing I, I would say that we've said many times since then is that if we had any kind of prescription to not get there for couples um, or for us to not get to places of distance or low places again, you know, um, is this concept that we learned from Chip Judd when we first got here, we started in counseling with him. And he said, you know, Katie, I think you and Josh, the problem for y'all is you need to be a 10 for each other and everybody else in your life, the kids, the ministry relationships need to be at a two. And when he first said it, I was like, not a chance. I mean, in my mind, I was like, not a chance. My mom, my sister, the children, like there's no chance we can get a 10 to two gap, you know, but we both just started praying into that and really trying to organize our life, our calendar, our prayers, our heart, our fun, our safe place around that kind of concept of the, if this couple, if mm-hmm. this covenant can be at a 10 and yeah. everything else in life can be at a two and Truly, even today that gets challenged, you know, with the kids or I'll be so upset about something with the kids. And Josh is like, babe, it's going to be good. And guess what? We end this thing together, you know, like helps me like bring it back to the 10, you know, and two or my family. I want I'm in knots or we need to do this or we need. He's like, who's the 10, you know, and I do the same thing. I have to call him up to, hey, how would one know that I'm a 10? Because it ain't for going to a restaurant on your 20th anniversary next week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Goes to Italy. <laughs> you know, we use that language yeah. a lot. And yeah. it's really good. Yeah, and giving us language has helped. Because there would be times where good days or bad days, if there was something to vent about or something to celebrate, I would hear about it one night she was like, I told you about that. And it's like, you didn't tell me about that. And it's because there were people on the list who were a seven, eight or nine yeah, that yeah. celebration would get a call first instead of me, you know? And so just constantly being intentional to drive that gap between putting us at a 10 of priority and everyone else, you know, having that degree yeah. of separation. Yeah. That's and that's huge. to encourage people with the unstoppable, like with joining the unstoppable group of like, if you really want your marriage to be incredible, but yeah. you're not investing in it at all, like you're going to hit lids, you know, you're going to hit lids of growth, of pain, of where you don't know how to get to the next mm-hmm. level of yeah. intimacy, of joy, you know? And so that's where we really do need guides to come in you know, and to help us figure out how do we yeah. go to a new place? And yeah. so, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so good. Rebecca, I'll pray in a, in a second, but just thank you so much for sharing your story, for being vulnerable here on the Unstoppable Duo Show. Thank you for your example of being faithful, faithful to yourself, faithful to, um, you know, your father in heaven, to your church, to your leadership, to your kids, to Rebecca and myself. Uh, to just to your whole environment. Thank you for that testimony. That's such an encouragement, not just to us, but to everybody listening in. 
um, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it speaks volumes about you and how you have developed your relationship and how you live your relationship, not just to each other, but to your father in heaven. Thank you so much. Um, where can people connect with you, contact you if they're looking out for you? Well, probably the best place is on Instagram. So Josh Walters, Katie Walters on Instagram, we do date night lives. And if you go to my Instagram and subscribe, it says let's connect. Um, then all kinds of stuff like this week, I'm sending out something called Christmas on purpose that people can just kind of really think through what do they want the season to look like. But if we have a message or this podcast, we'll send it out to email subscribers on that. We've got a book that is going to come out. Hopefully oh. it might not come out until 2023, but we are sending it to publishers in January. So we ask y'all to pray for that. And it's just around our story, you know, and the concept of things that God had taught us through the power of, of staying. And um, so we'd love for you guys to DM us, connect with us, find us on Instagram, probably the best way. Well, Rebecca and I are so looking forward to the published book. Yeah. Uh, we know it's going to be a blessing to so many couples. That's mm -hmm. so awesome. What a story. What Good a time. Thank you all for having us. Thank you. Rebecca, okay. would you pray? Yeah. Badana, thank you so much for this time with wow. the Walters. Thank you so much. My one, two big, uh, the two big things that stood out really was truth can become your fuel yeah. and then it's a choice what you can do with it. And I think mm -hmm. looking at them, looking at both of them and saying, well done, you choose well. Yeah. With the truth, we can do something else. And they submitted to you in the yeah. end, they did the hard work and you continue, Father, to bless them. And this yeah. is something, Father, in our hearts times, in our truth telling times, that we always get to experience you. Let your yeah. voice always be bigger than our emotions. Yes. Let your voice mm -hmm. be bigger than our disappointments. Yes. Let your voice always be bigger than our pain. Yes. And that's how we can overcome. And that's yes. how it can shift so quickly from those yeah. trees into the big view and in the wideness that you want to give to us. Yeah. Sometimes we are stuck in not being able to see further on, but with your help, yeah. things can change and we can have a different perspective. So thank you that this life that you've given to the waters and that you continue to give them, yeah. you're going to give to all the listeners as well. Yes. We can do mm -hmm. the hard work. We yes. can do the marriage work because we have you and with you, all the things are possible. Yes. Thank yes. You. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Walters, for this conversation. We love you so much. Love you all too, man. Thank you for tuning in to The Unstoppable Duo Show. We pray that you were encouraged and were able to take away an idea of how your marriage can become a little more unstoppable this week. Are you looking for more? Twice a year, Rebecca and Tim coach a small number of couples through their 90-day Unstoppable Breakthrough Experience. Why not join them and create the marriage you always believed was possible? Go to theunstoppableduo.com and register today. We look forward to seeing you next week right here on the Unstoppable Duo Show.